Well, good afternoon, everybody. This is Ed Tomasi, co-founder and managing partner for Subnation Media. Subnation is at the heart of Web3 Metaverse, the lifestyle of esports and the culture of gaming. I am excited and honored uh, today to, to have this uh, time with you. Uh, we are launching uh, what we're calling our new Insights podcast. And uh, this is more uh, a discussion uh, than it is sort of a roundtable. And, and I'm excited because we get to talk about esports, but we get to talk about education and the crossroads of, of, uh, of education and esports. Um, here at Subnation, uh, we wanted to dive deep into uh, the educational space as it relates to esports. And uh, we commissioned a research project for this summer. Uh, with some amazing researchers uh, and also our, our, our fearless leader, uh, Jihan Johnson, who is earning her PhD at UC Irvine and is one of the foremost experts uh, of esports and HBCU. So, Jihan, honored to have you moderating today's uh, discussion and, and really excited to get into um, some of the learnings uh, that we've discovered in doing this research. Thank you so much, Ed, for having me. Um, it means so much. Hello, all, everyone in the virtual world. I am Jihan Johnston. I am the lead researcher um, at Subnation this summer for the summer project focused on collegiate esports. I am the co-curator of Beatbotics, uh, my own company that I own with my 14-year-old son. And yes, I am a PhD student here at UCI. Uh, today on today's panel, we have uh, Taryn Morgan, I call him the Double Morgans, from Morgan State University, which is a HBCU in Baltimore, Maryland. We have Scott Shaw from Wilmington University, and we all have Mark Deppy from University of California at Irvine. Uh, as you see, their tags are on there. Make sure you press the follow button to stay connected as we go off and have an amazing conversation about collegiate esports and education. I cannot finish um, and cannot start this segment without speaking about my research assistants. And so today we have, uh, I would like to formally introduce you all to Wiley Wilson, who is a research assistant, and he is a recent graduate of UC Irvine. Um, we have Naya Beck. Naya is an undergraduate research assistant here at UC Irvine. And then we have Tyshawn Haygood. Uh, he is an undergraduate research assistant that came to UCI for eight weeks for a new pathway program um, my company and UCI have established to focus on uh, esports and gaming. And so he is from Morgan State University. All right, so let's get into the conversation. Let's not take any time away and we're just gonna go to our first slide of our findings. And that's understanding the top two game titles played at these three universities. So when we're looking at college and uh, you know, traditional colleges and universities, we have League of Legends and Rocket League. When we're looking at two-year and technical colleges, they are focused on Call of Duty and Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. And then when we're looking at the lens of HBCUs, which also stands for Historically Black Colleges and Universities, they are focused on NBA 2K and Madden. So for my panelists, my first question that I have for you all is what is involved in selecting esports titles for your school's programs? And I'm gonna start with Mark. Hi everyone, um, and this is a great question. We actually uh, are kind of formalizing our, uh, a document that outlines how we think about game selection um, and how we evolve as games change and kind of come and go. 
Um, but uh, as part of that document, um, yeah, we want to be transparent about how we think about things. Um, the number one thing I think that we look at is game popularity um, at UC Irvine, our university. Uh, what do the students play? What do they care about? Um, and then also how, how popular is it um, out in the ecosystem, um, general, yeah, the general space, uh, how many people are viewing it, things like that. Um, and then we look at a, a few other things, um, such as kind of the, the long-term longevity of it. Are there an, uh, like online objective ranking systems? Um, is there a professional league? Um, how good is the college league? That's really important. Are the develop developers supporting the title? Um, so a lot of factors go in. The last thing I'll just share is um, we also look like they, there's some also red flags. There's a lot of games like we wouldn't consider supporting, um, and we outline those as well. Um, if, if a game's really celebrating uh, crime or drug abuse or violence against women or some certain group of people, um, like come come uh, thinking of Grand Theft Auto, those are games that we would not ever really consider. So um, those are some of the thoughts. And then uh, also happy to talk later about how we think about transitioning games, because that's that's something that's uh, on the forefront of our, our thinking as well right now. Nice. Could you just expound just a little bit more on the transitioning of games? Yeah, well, uh, games come and go probably faster than traditional sports do. Um, we've been uh, open and transparent with our athletes at UCI that Overwatch has struggled as a game the last few years. Blizzard has kind of let us down in many ways in terms of updating the game, uh, keeping people motivated. Um, the leagues have kind of, we've seen a divestment in terms of uh, support and organization. So uh, that's a game we're, we're really closely watching, seeing how Overwatch 2 evolves. But um, if we were to sunset a game, um, we want to uh, make sure we're giving people plenty of notice. Um, so our plan would be to give our athletes, the community, recruits, parents, uh, UCI stakeholders at least nine months uh, heads up before we did that. Um, announce our plans for other games as well so people have some time to adjust. Um, and then we're also planning on continuing a scholarship uh, for one additional year for any athlete we recruited. So if we recruited you to UCI to play a game that's no longer supported, uh, we're also going to commit uh, to support you for one year after that. Uh, the, the scholarship or the, the team ends just to kind of uh, give you a little bit of an off ramp. So um, I'll, I'll share that document and we hope to make it public. So um, that, that's our intention in the next few months to share that publicly. That's very good information to know. So next on the list, I will want to go to Morgan State. Taryn. Hi. So for us, um, it's unique because I'm building two things. I'm building the program at Morgan State University. And I'm also the director of development and broadcasting for the MEAC, uh, which stands for Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference. So we usually just go with what the MEAC is doing, um, particularly because we want to make sure that all of our HBCU institutions are developing at the same rate and offering the same opportunities that may come with these titles. Um, one thing I'm very big on is community. And by us building these schools together, we're building a strong foundation to build a conference that will be able to compete with some of the bigger schools later on down the line. So really it's trying to establish that foundation. So we figure out what games that we're gonna play uh, by doing surveys of our students. So uh, we go based upon that information. And also for me, I am a gamer, I'm very, very, very casual. I'm not hardcore, but I do a lot of research on what are some of the bigger titles that are coming up, some of the up and coming titles. So I always, uh, throw in a couple experimental titles 
for us to play within our um, semester leagues. We also participate within the community um, HBCU Esports League. So whatever games that they're playing currently, um, we also play. So you look at Rocket League. Um, we've done a little bit of Super Smash Brothers and whatnot. So for us, it's been really developing as a community and also working with what we have because a lot of these technologies, the computer rigs, they cost a lot of money and our institutions don't have the budgets necessarily to um, establish and sustain these programs without outside sources. So when you look at the NBA 2K, the Madden titles, these are on consoles that are usually easy for people to access, access versus going to um, a computer rig or whatnot. Um, so that's how we do it. Um, we're going to be more method, um, moving more with more method in the future now that we do have our computer lab set up. Um, just looking more so what the national landscape is and then also looking at what our leagues are doing, but ultimately making sure that we're still excelling and not being held back due to other institutions not having um, equipment needed to compete with PC. So that's a little bit of how we select the titles that we play throughout the season. That That's a great response. Um, Scott, and just to repeat the question, just in case, um, what is involved in selecting esports titles for your school's program? Well, our school's a little bit, you know, unique in the fact that we probably lie somewhere between the traditional college and university and the technical and community colleges just because of the unique nature of what Wilmington University is and the students that we serve. So it, we we kind of took a very grassroots approach to it and we started doing, you know, information sessions and panels and trying to get, you know, feedback from the students that were serving to really see what they wanted to play, what was of interest to them. And then we kind of balanced that much like the other folks on the panel, uh, evaluate their own games and what that process looks like. Um, you know, it took a couple months to kind of say, you know, let's focus around League of Legends and Rocket League. And we do have some other kind of splinter groups on Hearthstone and a few other ones that are trying to, you know, build enough student involvement to make it worthwhile for the esports club and team to kind of embrace those things and bring it up. And then, of course, the considerations that were brought up earlier about what the type of gameplay is and does it fit with our mission and values and if that's something that we would want to support our students playing in so it's a it's a pretty good combination of all of the things that were mentioned already and then just really what the university thinks as a advisory to those games is you know are, are these the things that we want to promote uh, our students playing all of you all's answers were very strong. They were very unique. Um, so I have a follow-up question to that. When looking at specific game titles, in our research, we can see an equity gap. Um, whether it's console versus PC, uh, where Morgan State just mentioned that they sometimes, a lot of HBCUs have the issue with having funding for PCs. Um, and so what sets your school apart from other schools regarding esports programming being offered? Since we're open enrollment, it's a little bit different than your traditional university. And so we have a a big esports lab that we're building and is getting ready to be launched. So the the PCs that we've kind of spec'd out are going to be from 
our vendors that we have relationships with already. And so we're able to kind of balance those PC rigs. But then we also have a, a pretty robust game club that we've also supported with having Xboxes and PlayStations, Switches, even even some older uh, stations to, to kind of play the retro games on. So it, it's a little bit different in terms of um, how we balance those things, but it, we really kind of follow where the students are going to play on. And since we were on, you know, League of, Legend, League of Legends and Rocket League, we tried to support that on, on the PCs. But, you know, we understand that sometimes not everything is going to be on PC. There may be some really great games on other systems that we'll need to support. But in terms of like where our students are, um, we really want to provide them the, the lab and the facilities in order to come in and play when they when they need to. Mark or, or uh, Taryn, does anybody want to jump in on that? Yeah. So I'll... I... You go ahead. Okay, sorry about that. Um, yeah, I, I, I completely agree that there is an equity gap in just terms of access to technology and equipment um, that is not unique to esports. That is a societal challenge that we're all trying to uh, help correct. But um, yeah, at UCI, I don't, I don't think we have the solution yet. Um, we do have nice PCs. We do have consoles. Um, our, our arena is open to the public, but we do charge. And so um, our program historically has been a self-funded unit. Um, uh, that's changed because of COVID and our, our model has had to uh, rely on campus support recently. But um, uh, yeah, I, I guess I guess I don't have a, uh, an answer that's going to say like we have we figured it out. Um, the thing I will say is that we do do a lot of uh, community events. So we have a huge new focus on um, community engagement. We just hired a community coordinator. Um, we're trying to do lots of free and welcoming uh, programs to expose people to the world of esports, allow them a low entry point into our space. Um, that'll include working with UCI students, local high schools, um, other people who uh, see esports as an opportunity to engage young people. And so, um, haven't solved the problem, very aware of it, and uh, here to be a part of the solution as we as we work on it. Taryn. So I just want to make a comment too on the research finding with the top two top games. It kind of mirrors real life because when you look at a lot of black communities, basketball and football are looked at pathways of ways to get out of the situations that people are dealing with to excel and succeed. So that was very interesting to see that mirror uh, real life. But for us, um, the fact that we're a very young school in the HBCU we're really able to tap into the black culture of things. You know, black culture push, pushes a lot of different aspects of America. And for us, the way that I'm being strategic is just that building strategic partnerships. So talking to different entities, letting them know that we have some very eager, driven, enthusiastic students here who are ready to show up, show out and compete. And you can see that within the first year we had four championship uh, teams, and then we also were able to secure a $200,000 donation from Verizon. And for us, the main thing was really leveraging what we're doing and putting it online because people are not gonna know what you're doing unless you're putting it online. So that's really been the approach that for us to really set ourselves away from other schools and to build these different opportunities is to really leverage strategic partnerships. You know, we're in Baltimore County, one of the biggest um black minor majority cities so 
uh, getting connections within the mayor's office to get different opportunities that are coming up. So really using these different ways, thinking outside the box, being innovative in ways to market and push our program out to the public because public support is the way that we'll be able to bring in funding and resources and support that our students need in order to truly excel in a program. And I just want to ride on top of that is, you know, we've got a really good setup with Futures First Gaming. That's kind of how I met uh, and got here today. And what that program does is, you know, it uses gaming as that central point uh, in the community that says, hey, you know, we all play these games, but you don't have to just, you know, play by yourselves. There's a whole community that we can support through gaming and not only can we connect through gaming but then if you want to go on to learn how to stream or you want to learn how to do graphics or you want to learn how to program or you know even be business savvy there are pathways that are created through uh futures first and wellington university so that we can start to get kids who are interested in these things not just as a a entertainment and pastime but also as a possible career choice and it may not be you know specifically through esports and in the esports industry but that's the the kind of driving force or the commonality that they can use to get to the point where you know they may may have not considered college before but now they are because they've seen and been exposed to the opportunities that are there through gaming and that's that's one of the biggest things i think uh futures first has done with wilmington university is is making that clear and evident that there is a pathway from where you are to where you want to go and it doesn't have to be necessarily rooted in esports but it can revolve around and evolve from those those are great points um and it really shows the equity gap and but it really shows how you are all working together to close it and so another thing um when we're looking and compare comparing traditional schools hbcus and technical colleges some of our findings noticed that a lot of the universities were you know considerably just alike from being new programs from still trying to figure out funding and i'm hearing funding very often but we have to understand that funding comes from different perspectives so what is your whole philosophical view when it comes to just what the future will look like and developing more equitable spaces in your esports programs i know for what we're doing here at morgan um just like uh i believe that was uh scott that was that was talking about let before the other opportunities outside of gaming um so really promoting that there's not everyone's going to be in the league just like nfl nba and not everyone's going to be professional gamers but you can be a broadcaster someone has to draw the actual um games someone has to do the streams and whatnot so for me i come from a video background so my way of looking at funding is a lot of these pro teams within the gaming industry they are media production companies they push that they push merchandise so that's the way i'm positioning morgan state university is to use this content and potentially get to get this license out to different entities to have advertisements on their promotions etc to create a, a new revenue stream to fund the program so that's the way I'm going about it when it comes to funding, um, just from a different point of view. Um, again, this still deals heavily with strategic partnerships, um, but 
that's what we've been doing so far, and it's getting uh, some motion for us. And I'll, I'll add, um, at UCI, I feel like we're a little bit unique in that we've been around for six academic years, starting our seventh one this fall. And our funding has kind of shifted and pivoted and changed over the years. Um, we've had years with strong financial, like uh, corporate support. Um, that's been a pretty historical uh, thing for us. Um, we've had major donors involved. Um, our arena has been a strong revenue generator pre-COVID. Um, and now the campus is supporting us. So um, having just seen that happen over time, I, I think the common thread is uh, we need to show value of our program to uh, stakeholders, whether it is a company, an external company, a, a, an alum, a donor, uh, or campus leaders. Um, and when I think about what leadership at UCI cares about, they care about, yeah, the student experience. They care about um, being unique and offering something at UC Irvine that our peers do not have. Um, and I think, I think as we think about building community, seeing a full arena, seeing young people excited to apply to UCI, um, and and just seeing how sports can maybe be a little bit more resilient and bounce back quicker uh, with the world living with COVID these days and other areas. But um, on major campuses, we're all competing for resources. And so um, I don't like to look at it as a competition. I like to look at it as a challenge in terms of uh, we have to do our best to show that esports is an important part of the future. And if that happens, then um, we will be successful at getting support from whatever stakeholders uh, we get that support from. Hey, this is Ed. I'm just going to jump back in here. Um, you know, you bringing up the point about adding value is, is really important, uh, not only for, you know, schools that are listening now that uh, may not have a program or they're just at that development phase of the program or or even schools that that have an established program and they're kind of in that you know they're over their freshman year and trying to show value and and, and uh, for, for not only for their students for the school but also for the community you know, as we here at Subnation you know we, we have the advisory uh, service uh, where we, we're consulting with various destinations throughout the world um, Destinations look to their home schools and universities, you know, both uh, at the uh, the youth level, but at the collegiate level as well. And they they too are trying to support and and extract the value out of esports, the esports programs that are in their destination market. Um, so you know, if if there's destinations out there that are listening and saying, how do I support my my uh, my you know my colleges, universities, HBCUs? You know, you definitely need to be proactive about reaching out and, and saying, you know, you have value. How can how can I extract that value? And then how can I add value back to you? And there's this exchange of value that then becomes um, part of the story of your success as a as university or higher educational um, esports program. Yeah, and I, I'd just like to, you know, say that sometimes when I say we started a, as a grassroots, like we didn't really have a lab space dedicated. We didn't have computers dedicated. Uh, we just started having meetings and, and asking our students, what is it that you need and want? And just started building. And, you know, there's been considerations where we had a computer lab that um, may have served as an esports meeting space or uh, our student center was very uh, 
supportive in us in, in doing events and doing things that we could bring in not only our students but also the public to kind of see what esports is because a lot of people still have questions about what does it mean to have an esports program and i think you can start in a closet with a couple of students or access to a couple of machines and start building from the ground up and that way you can really you know show the need by saying look we started with you know two game consoles or two pcs and uh, the spare room and now we have over 60 students and a full esports lab and our enrollment is seeing an increase in folks just because that's an offering that that folks want to see so i think you know funding and and the gap between this um i think as folks kind of figure out what it is and that you know esports is something that's not going to just be a fad that this is going to stick around for a while uh, they, they'll be more willing to kind of embrace it and start to look for those unique funding opportunities that may make more sense in the bigger picture of, you know, boosting enrollment and having a value add, just like the, the other panels were saying that, you know, look at what we can bring to the table in terms of, um, you know, events and um, sponsorships and exposure to all of the, the good things that come out of this. So, there, there's a lot of opportunity and, you know, if, if you think smart and grow smart around it, it could really pay off for you in the end to get that funding where you need it. To add on, definitely some great points brought up by Scott. And one thing that really has benefited us big time, because oftentimes we have a lot of people who in our community who think video games are a waste of time. But when I come back with hard data and reports saying that, I brought in four times the amount of money that I've spent versus my, my expenses. And I brought in a, almost a quarter million dollars in a year via report. And I can show you this right in your face. I think that that's the big thing. A lot of people underestimate analytics when it comes to tracking your social media stuff, uh, when it comes to event signups, all that information is important. And that's what will help to, um, get credibility for you to uh, sign on different sponsors, et cetera, too. So definitely data is king when it comes to getting the funding that you may need. And as talking about that, uh, um, because the collection is, esports is still new in academic research. Let's just start there, specifically HBCUs. Um, but as we're going over into the esports education sector and we're all talking about the different degree programs being offered, what does success in esports education look like at your school? I, well, I would, for us, oh, go ahead. Since, <laughs> sorry about that. So, for at Morgan, we're still very new. Um, we're implementing our very first um, esports uh, or gaming um, development major um, course. We're working towards it. We don't have it yet, but uh, I produced a um, esports broadcasting course, which we offer this fall, but for us, I would say that success is establishing some kind of accredited academic program. Um, the issue is that with Maryland, I'm not sure how it is with other states, we have to look at what is offered at other neighboring institutions. And if there's a conflict with that, then that can hinder our progress. So for me, having the bare minimum of maybe even a certificate would be success for me, knowing that the end goal is to have the whole bachelor's, master's, doctorate. That's going to happen. But right now, it's really phases. For, so for me, immediate success, uh, 
sooner rather than later would be having a minor certificate or major established for us. Got yeah. it. Um, so one of the things that's interesting about um, Wilmington University in general is that, you know, we, we were one of the first, I guess, East Coast schools to have a full four-year degree Bachelor of Science in Game Design Development. Um, there was a few other spots here and there that had either parts of the program or, you know, um, specific courses within computer science or in their graphic design program or, or what have you. But we had one of the first four-year institutions and, you know, it was surprising to see how much the, the parents would say, they never wanted to do anything related to college, but when they saw this program, they did, they wanted to go to college, right? So that was encouraging. And so success within the esports, it's taken a little bit longer um, because it's it's not quite a hard skill like you would see in the game development program where they're learning 3D graphic design, programming, scripting, teamwork, you know, th those those types of things. And it's going to take a little while for folks to unwrap like esports as an educational path, right? This is something that they they don't necessarily understand in the first place. But then, you know, when you have to pay for college or you have to get funding for college, it's going to be a hard sell until they start to see it become a little bit more real. Like, you know, if you put into perspective, I think I think this is true. I'll have to fact check this out, but. The same weekend that Tiger Woods won the Masters, it was um, a Fortnite competition. So Tiger Woods had won $2 million, but the Fortnite winner won $3 million. So it's just a crazy perspective put, to put in place. And that's where when you compare the esports skill set into something that is more, I'd say, traditional – like computer science or programming or something like that, it, it's hard for folks to unwrap that a little bit. But as this kind of becomes more familiar, I think you're going to start to see like, oh, wow, this is definitely here to stay. It's an area that people can grow their success in. And if you think about it, you know, not everybody's going to be that pro level football player or that pro level, whatever sport you want to take a look at, but there's millions of dollars and millions of positions and industries and sub industries around those things that are going to be needed and supportive in esports. And so once people realize that this is a much bigger thing than just playing video games, it, it starts to make sense to them. Um, at, at UCI, I think um, things that matter a lot to our campus, well, first of all, I mentioned we have our five pillars that our program is really focused on. Um, so competition, supporting research, engaging communities, creating entertainment, helping uh, launch careers. Um, but I think when our, our stakeholders are looking at it, uh, I think a high graduation rate is re required. Um, our students sh should be finishing their degrees. Um, one thing we keep hearing over and over and over from campus leaders is, uh, and it's one of our pillars, is they really want esports to support uh, the creation of knowledge and the research arm of the university. Um, that is uh, something every every person in administration has has their eyes thinking about research. Um, I think our our leadership also wants us to, and they enjoy the fact that we are leaders among peers. So in the UC system. Um, 
our, our fellow universities look to us as leaders in the space. And I think that's really important uh, for UCI to have a leadership role there. Um, and the last thing I'll mention, uh, we talked about kind of revenue and costs earlier, but I think um, I, I know our university leaders are enthusiastic and supported and helping us kind of bridge the short term with some funding, but they would really like to see us uh, be self-sustaining long term, whether that's donors or corporate sponsors um, or other sources of revenue. So um, that is an unfortunate kind of uh, part of my role is is kind of solving where the money's coming from because our our campus did not decide to have an esports program and said here's a budget for it. Um, instead, there's a coalition of students, staff, and faculty who approached the campus and said let us let us take this risk and see if we can make it work. And and they said yes. Uh, and I think everyone's been happy with that, but uh, um, uh, they're still excited for the opportunity for uh, esports to be self-supporting, and then they can they can spend their resources on things that uh, are other really high priorities at the university, whether it's housing or sustainability or mental health support, because we're all competing for precious dollars, and there's so many important things to invest in. So um, those are the things that UCI is looking at in terms of uh, success for esports. And that goes right into the next question. So in this diagram, um, we looked at while we were compiling our data, we created this uh, chart to really show that when it comes to just HBCUs and just technical community and traditional colleges, a lot of them provide student opportunities and are student led versus university led and degreed programs. Um, so one of the questions, could you tell us why at some university leaderships at schools do not see the value from uh, in esports from a university led perspective? And is that based off of student population demographics? Um, how, how would you envision that? Because I know particularly at HBCUs, the hierarchies are not in full support of esports actually being a major or being on the university campus. So this is my thoughts. Um, I honestly think it's a lack of business acumen um, at times, not realizing that just because you don't think it's relevant doesn't mean that the whole entire world doesn't. When you're looking at this and you're saying it's a billion dollar uh, industry, um, it, that, that's proof right there that this is something that you may wanna look into. So I think that lack of business acumen definitely could be a, a thing. But also the fact that it's so new, people may be afraid to take risks and having somebody that is competent enough to lead the program to success to make it a uh, program that would be in the black and not in the red. So I think that that is kind of some of the apprehension that is occurring. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna leave it at that because you, you already know Gian. <laughs> <laughs> Mark or Scott, would anybody want, well, Mark, you kind of have the, you know, support from administration. Scott, do you have the support from administration or are you in a union? Yeah, yeah, well? yeah, we, we, we actually do have it from almost from the president on down uh, in terms of support for um, not only university-led programs uh, like certificates or clubs or other, you know, ways to facilitate that, but also with degree programs. And that's one of the things that we were uh, in talks with Futures First is, you know, how do we get somebody from maybe middle school and high school interested in pursuing a college degree? And 
being able to fund these things and, and create these partnerships that facilitate that and, and really crafting the program around the needs of what the community is telling us. So it, it, it is kind of a unique spot to be in that the university gets that and understands that and, and looks to have these growth areas in a way that makes sense for the population that we're, we're trying to reach out to. You know, I'll, I'll just add a, I don't know, from my perspective at UCI and maybe just higher ed, I, I've worked at a couple of major universities. Um, and I, I don't think that campus leaders are deciding between esports and not esports. I think they're deciding between esports and the other 100 things they're trying to fund on a, on a campus. And so it is not that there's a lack of ideas or everyone's kind of coming to campus leaders with, I have an idea, I need money, I need a bigger budget, I want to hire this faculty or start a new program. And so in that cacophony of people kind of asking for resources, I think it's it's uncommon for for campus leaders to feel very confident that esports is is going to be really successful. It's certainly a risk, reputational risk, a financial risk. Um, and it could be really unpopular. Our, our biggest critics at UC Irvine have historically been our faculty, uh, and they help govern the university. And even though we have lots of faculty teaching, researching games, uh, we have wonderful PhD students getting degrees in esports these days, but still uh, there's a lot of critique. And so I, I don't want to make it sound like uh, all campus leaders are out of touch for not for not supporting esports or investing in it. I, I just think... Um, there are just so many important things to consider, and I don't feel bad when people tell me they can't increase our budget or or they're struggling or we're cutting our budget. Um, I, I look at it as like a, a need for us to demonstrate our value and show that we are a vital part of the UC Irvine experience. Um, and if we do that, I think our support will be there. So um, that's kind of how I look at it. You know, this is Ed. One of the things that uh, struck me when I when I look at this this chart, uh, and and as you mentioned it, um, you know, there's a there's a thing that we we say. It's like the universities uh, work at the speed of of academia, right? <laughs> and uh, for better for worse, that's what you have to deal with. I think us in esports, Subnation, um, and and many others that um, you know are have been in the space for a while. Um, Things happen at a lightning pace, right? But when you're when you're looking at programs that are um, need the support of 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 a of a governing body, especially um, a collegiate governing body, um, there is a certain pace, right? And that has to be um, understood, respected, and navigated. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing too, as we look at this, you know, we started when the research started coming in, uh, especially the folks here. At, on the research team at Subnation, we're like, you know, let's look at it from a heat map, like, you know, where where they they lie, like traditional colleges are kind of like all over, right? Both from, you know, university-led, student-led, but HBCUs, it's, it's interesting that, you know, it was a little bit more from the, up onto the university side of being led, which is, which is support from a top-down approach, right? And then when you look at, uh, perhaps like community colleges, it's more below the line, which is more student-led, which is a bottom-up approach. So interesting to see like kind of like where the, the data points plotted based off of the type of college and university and its structure um, that came in. Just my three cents there. 
Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, and, and because this is ongoing data, it's going to rapidly change. Um, and that is a visual of just what's going on. So let's move on to the next question. Um, the next question that I have actually ties in with the just makeup of your weaknesses at the different universities. And so these are some ex examples that we noticed just cross, uh, cross sectional with different universities and colleges ranging from the lack of ex equity and inclusiveness at traditional colleges, um, varying game titles per school, which you talked about earlier, the skill set. But one of the things that I wanted to look at is we talk about mental health. We know that players are on the game for eight hours a day. They're in competition. Um, and so my question for you all is, how does your school support gaming athlete, athletes outside of competition, i.e. physical, emotional, and mental health support? I'll, I'll take this one first. Um, we, we're very fortunate in that uh, we have great campus partners who are willing and able to help with this. Um, we were one of the first universities to have a fitness program. We had a health uh, a team, a uh, sports psychologist, sorry, uh, exercise physiologist uh, for several years. He just uh, moved uh, out of the country. But um, we, we have a fitness program that we'll work with our, our recreation department on. We talk about things like nutrition. Um, we have personal training. Um, we talk about ergonomics, uh, sleep. Probably our biggest health issue is probably sleep, um, uh, flexibility, things like that. Uh, and we do work with the counseling center to have some access to a team psychologist. So really thrilled to have a sports psychologist uh, talking with our, our athletes. Um, something I've noticed over the years is uh, while some some esports athletes have played on sports teams before, uh, I would say that's uh, not not uh, normally the case. And so uh, there's all these team dynamics that a lot of our uh, gamers haven't yet kind of had to go through. So um, we'll have our team psychologists present on topics such as giving and receiving critical feedback, uh, communication in general, um, having the team kind of understand their own personal values and, and build alignment. Um, and then the biggest thing we get out of it after we kind of present, set the table and, and create a kind of safe space uh, is people are able to finally kind of work through the team conflict in a productive, safe way um, and voice their frustrations, and allow people to respond and allow us to move forward in a really healthy, productive way. So um, I'm really thankful. And we, we do that with just a few hours of counseling per month. Um, last year, we got three hours of a psychologist. And so it makes a humongous difference for there to be a space where uh, if one athlete's really frustrated with a teammate, uh, they know they can articulate that in a productive way, uh, have that person understand it, um, and then find a way to move forward. So uh, we've been very fortunate to have the support systems in place, but uh, certainly aware that many, many folks don't. Scott or Taryn? At Morgan, we haven't done this yet, but um, that was actually my plan to start implementing that in this upcoming year. Um, I'm a mental health advocate, um, done work with the National Alliance on Mental Illness and also have a background in emergency response. Um, I'm a res lifer out there, so you know how RAs, RDs, their responsibilities are. So um, for me, I really wanna emphasize the importance of grounding. So getting out of the virtual reality, putting down the phones, getting out in nature, so my plan is to do different nature walks with our students, getting them outside off of technology. Um, definitely um, doing some collaborations with our counseling center um, because it's really important that students know the resources that they have for free 
because once you get out of college, you don't have these resources for free any longer. So counseling center, um, doing sessions with them one-on-one. Um, so that's some stuff I want to implement. And also one thing I've been very intentional about is building relationships with my students so that they know that I had their back and that I'm a resource for them. If you're going through something, you can talk to me, let me know, because I'm very clear with my struggles that I've had with mental health issues in the past. So I've been able to overcome them. So hopefully by you hearing my story, I'm able to assist you or I'm able to support you in the right direction to get you the help that you deserve. So that's some stuff that I'm looking to implement in uh, the upcoming year, but definitely um, I like what UCI is doing when it comes to the the, the holistic approach to making sure students are successful. So definitely um, great job on that. Um, yeah, and you know one of the great things that we had been fortunate to kind of be included in uh, the initial talks and how we were going to do this and what we we're going to move forward with in terms of our esports team and our esports athletes is we had the our athletic director and our student life folks involved from the get-go so we always had this idea that it was uh, we call it the dotted line between our uh, esports club and team over to athletics and so we wanted to make sure that not only are they healthy but you know their curriculum and their academics and all of the things that go around uh, being in college and playing as a athletics um you know, participant, we wanted to make sure that they were supported in that and had the same opportunities and uh, resources that our athletes had, our normal athletes. And so we made sure that that was, you know, imperatively clear uh, at the at the get-go, as well as having student life involved, because there's a whole wealth of um, resources that um, are there from the school that they can get help with in terms of, you know, um, uh, whatever it may be. And then, you know, we also have uh, for other athletic teams uh, as well as the esports team, we have representatives from the academics. So if they're having issues with classes or study time or being motivated to do their homework, whatever it may be, those resources are there. And then one of the things I, I do want to talk about is the skills gap because it is one of the things that could be intimidating for any population is, am I good enough to be on the esports team? And so we have, you know, steps in place that kind of help facilitate and kind of get everybody on board to, to just start playing in our, in our game group, in our game club. And then we bring in interest of the esports and we're like, Hey, come on in. Um, let's play some games and Hey, it, this, this, particular players really good at this game that we're we have a team in maybe we ought to start recruitment or or you know do some intramural start type things that kind of reduce that that barrier or that apprehension from the the competitors to get involved on the esports team because it can be intimidating um and you know finding your way during college and then also being an athlete and then also being um if you're typically playing games you may be seen even if you're not as you know an introvert and sometimes that can be a challenge uh to get those folks involved in teams and things like that so we try to do things that are supportive um on a very entry level 
basis and keep everybody informed and have student life there, have the, our athletics program and all of the support there so that we can start to fill some of these gaps and address uh, some of these weaknesses that you have on, on the screen. And we also have a high rate of transfer students. So even though we're a four-year institution, we, we have a lot of transfer students. And so you have that reduced time of either eligibility or um, skill levels or whatever else. So it, it's it's definitely a big challenge, and I'm glad to hear that that folks are mindful of it and are bringing this to the to the discussion. Yeah, the, these were powerful. This was a powerful thing because mental health is very near and dear to my heart. Just to make sure that when players are entering the game or just academic uh, people in academics are entering this space, that their head is clear, but they also know that they have that support. And so when we're coming up talking about degree programs and athletics, I really have a question to just understand how does athletics fall under that category under traditional universities and technical universities? Because at some HBCUs, they are not housed in the athletic departments, which limits the funding and the um, funding for students to be able to be considered technically part of the athletic department. I'll, I'll, I'll hop in. Um, so our, our, our department's under student affairs, um, and I would say most NCAA Division I schools like UCI do not have esports uh, in athletics for whatever reason. Um, I think initially it had a lot to do with kind of name image likeness stuff. Um, you mentioned funding maybe maybe me being more available in athletics. I, I would disagree. Uh, unless you're in the SEC or the Big Ten, your athletic department probably loses a lot of money. It's a cost center for the university. So um, I don't think it's necessarily a, a place where there's more money, although there are kind of staff and process and procedures in place um, uh, to support whatever sports they, they want to offer. Um, but uh, my, my observation is is that, yeah, a lot of a lot of the larger universities, the public universities um, are putting uh, esports in recreation. Um, or or student affairs. Some are in academic units, which is interesting. Um, so um, yeah, it, I, I think historically it's been wherever wherever a university has a supporter, um, and uh, that's where they end up. Scott, could you explain the setup at your university? Sure, sure. Yeah. And as as I was kind of mentioning, we had student life and our athletics director involved in what does esports look like at our institution. So. You know, we was we were actually very fortunate because our cheerleading group, who's been very successful, like they are pretty much structured in the same way as our esports team. So they are officially a club under student life, with again that dotted line over to athletics, and the university has been supportive of that kind of dynamic because it allows us to do what we need to do um, and again with esports there's all these different conferences and depending on what division you're in and, and what rules the, the that area has in which to be governed by um, may dictate how your esports team needs to be structured or um, kind of laid out so we were pretty fortunate that we had that example with our cheerleaders already in place because we could say well it's it's going to look just like that and it's going to work just like that and we know it's successful because you know it's it's still going it's still doing things it's still doing what it's supposed to um so that that's kind of how we formulated ours is just mirroring that same thing um 
and and just making sure the right people are at the table and understand like okay well where's where's the budget come from for this versus that and you know having your your folks there at the table help you know outline that before you start having those discussions later on so i i hope that answers your question <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that does taryn do you have um a question or a response to the question uh well for us we're still in the I'm waiting for the university to adopt this stage. Um, we originated from the Res Life office. We got into esports because of the pandemic. We need we need a way to engage our students at a distance, and then I found esports as a solution. So that's how we got in there, and we just blew up from there. So we've been functioning from the Division of Student Affairs, but there has been no updates on where we're going when we're going to find out. Um, I've been literally doing this for two years and I haven't I've got paid for this, but I see the benefit and the uh, impact that it's having for our students. So that's what makes it worth it. And I see the vision of where we're going, but it goes back to our conversation earlier of how do we get our executive leadership to understand what esports is and the importance of why we need to have a set budget, a set home for the program and whatnot. So for us, it's to be determined, I guess, to be announced, really. But um, I would think that it would be housed under the Division of Student Affairs. Nice. Well, you guys open up my eyes because a lot of people are advertising esports under athletics. Um, so being able to sit down with you all and have conversations to see that they aren't just housed in the athletic department as some schools, whether it's co-ed or recreational, but they can be housed in different areas like academics, like uh, res life and student life. So going into partnerships, um, it states 50% of the colleges and universities that answered our survey express having partnerships with publishers. And so my question is, what could publishers slash independent leagues do better to support your school in participating in collegiate athletics? I'll jump in on this one. Uh, our, our relationship with Microsoft has always been, you know, if, if this makes sense for both of us and it doesn't cost us a whole lot of money um, or any money at all, uh, let's go ahead and do that. And so we tried to, to do um, all these kind of overlapping events that were mutually beneficial for both um, the community manager at the time and uh, our program and so that's those were the things that we we kind of partnered up on and experimented with and found out what works found out what doesn't work and so to to go to your question is like what can they do to to help is to to look out into the community that you serve because we've heard that you know kind of pop up a few times now um and really kind of reach out and find out what are they doing? What are they playing? What do they need? What? Because sometimes it's not always about equipment and 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 um, the games themselves, but just about having the support and the direction to kind of get the group together and, and make something happen. So I would really start to look at, you know, not only just hardware, software, those types of things, but also like who can you put, you know, boots on the ground to really find and lead the community of, of folks that want to do this and put the things in front of them and facilitate it. And that's what, you know, I think has really been beneficial to us. 
Terry. So we've had some amazing partners and we're still early in the game. So I don't really have any, I guess, big suggestions. But for me, I'm always about getting experiences for our students, internships and career opportunities. So I would like to see more of those situations being presented because yes, we're here playing games during college, but I'm looking at the long picture, the the, the bigger picture of these students need to be career ready once they leave here so that they can thrive and excel once they leave Morgan State University. So for me, I would say probably just more internships, games, uh, career opportunities, and it's a chance to volunteer to get their hands on the ground and to just really get some miles with them working really so that, that that's my input yeah we've been really fortunate to have some great partnerships um i mean i look at the term partnership it's a very broad term but corporate partners we've had uh of major investments from companies like i buy power a pc maker logitech um pepsi is part of our pouring rights uh agreement on campus um oakley recently um but in terms of in terms of like developers and publishers and leagues um, I'll, I'll go back to uh, kind of the idea of creating value. I still feel like uh, six years in our program that we are still trying to demonstrate that we are something that's important and relevant and not just a passing fad. Um, so when I when I talk about creating showing value, um, I want to see high quality streams. I want to see leagues that are well put together, strong eligibility requirements. I want to compete against college students, not not a mercenary uh, athlete who stopped at, stopped by at a university for three months to play on their team. Uh, I want to see my my uh, peer university graduating their athletes. Um, and and if we're we're a part of this healthy uh, college kind of uh, mission to take young people, provide them some opportunities and experiences, and send them out to the world to be leaders, um, I think that'll be great. But I, I think we need to have full arenas, we need to have people paying attention, people caring, people coming to your university. So um, when I look at leagues, partners, developers, how do we tell that story that this is really valuable? How do we identify really powerful, unique cases to highlight to leaders and stakeholders? Um, because I, I still feel uh, when you look at the political machine on a college campus um, and everyone kind of clamoring for attention and, and resources, um, we have to continually make that argument that um, esports is is not just uh, like the current hotness, but it's going to be really important, and it's the future of competition um, for for decades to come. So um, that's what I'd like I'd like to partner with anybody on is showing the value, showing young people interested, showing successful college students, um, and and convincing leaders and decision makers that that they need to invest more. Yeah, this is Ed with eSports. You know, one of the, the findings we found through this research, uh, and again, we're going we're gonna to be coming out with more of these insights and, 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 and reports and full reports um, on these topics. One of the findings we found was that uh, many colleges uh, and universities are offering eSports, uh, and, and you guys can't see it, but I'm using my air, my air quotes, um, eSports as either like a business management or sports management or broadcast journalism course. And... What's interesting about that is because when we think about esports and we think about education, the, the first thing that comes to everybody's mind, whether it's an administrator, whether it's somebody in the destination, whether it's a parent, whether it's even a student, is game design, right? And 
there's been a lot of curriculum developed around esports that has that flavor of game design. And we, you know, all of y'all have have spoken about, you know, diversity in 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 offerings of 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 game platforms and game titles and and educational courses. And it's important to to note that you know we we saw that in the in again in our findings is that um, it's being esports is being ingrained into various types of career paths uh, that schools are and disciplines that schools are teaching uh, and mentoring uh, these students for. So whether you have someone who's great at playing competitively um, or whether it's someone who um, who who doesn't want to be you know in front of that you know lipstick camera <laughs> and and live stream they want to be behind the scenes and 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 you know uh moving the dials and 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 moving the cameras and and creating uh you know intros and outros and 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 working with spot potential sponsors and and coordinating with groups you know those are the people that's the workforce of tomorrow um and you know we're we're hopeful that you know we've seen these findings. It's really encouraging. Love to see um, what the future holds for colleges and universities. Um, you know, from two-year programs to HBCUs um, that are teaching this next generation the skill sets that are needed to be valuable in the esports and gaming industry. Yeah, I can honestly say just you know, looking at the different things, looking at our findings, and as we dig deeper every day, um, this was just the intro of our findings. We're gonna continue doing our research. But in closing, we have three different people from three different unique universities offering amazing things. And so my question for you all in closing, and then I would like for you all to tell people where they can find you at, um, how can traditional universities, community colleges, technical and HBCUs come together and develop a pipeline to build access, equity, and inclusion in collegiate esports. Uh, I'll, I'll jump in. I think a lot of times, and you, I've seen this, you know, in print and online in a various ways, shapes, and forms. But switching the E from electronic to everyone, and making sure that you know one of the great things about this partnership that we have with Futures First is outlining and creating these pathways from middle school, high school, into college, transfer students, uh, two-year schools, all those types of things, you know, really providing the pathway for folks to kind of take this as uh, a common link and an opportunity for growth and to facilitate that in any way, shape, or form that you can with either within your esports program or just in an esports club or however you can do it within your university. I would look for those opportunities of, of, you know, making sure that those pathways are clear and that you can all connect and touch back to gaming as a common source. And that's that's the great thing about the the partnership that we have with Futures First. So, um, you know, I would just encourage more of that. I love that. I've never heard that before. Um, switching the E to uh, to everyone. Um, I, I would say, I mean, I, I think there's so so few structures and barriers in esports right now in terms of working together, playing against each other, um, engaging. Um, so um, I think I think it starts with talking and having knowing who's in the space, uh, being open to a conversation, 
Um, I know I've talked to hundreds of universities over the years, um, trying to share our knowledge. Um, so I think that's my that's my advice is let's let's not live in our siloed world of we're just going to talk to traditional universities or HBCUs or community colleges, um, but feel confident and empowered to reach out to anyone we want to uh, if we have an idea or thought um, or opportunity. So my door is certainly open and uh, would be happy to talk to any any school out there, college, high school, elementary school, middle school, whatever, um, to share what we've learned and to see if there's things that we can work on together. I definitely echo what Mark said and really me being in the space for a short amount of time i've seen that a lot of people are very very um open to being a resource um mark was definitely one of those resources for us at morgan state university so i think really it's important to just not be afraid to talk to somebody if you see a school that's doing great things send a dm send an email something like that can we set up a call to talk about different things and whatnot and i think also to your key people on campus who are really about connecting individuals. So like how we have now a connection with uh, University of California, Irvine, so our students can get those resources that we currently don't have. So like I said, we're building our major, but in the meantime, uh, UCI has a, a PACE program where we sent some of our students over there. They're able to get some research hours in, and that's kind of why we're here today in the first place. Uh, from some of the work that some of my students have done. So I think it's really not being afraid to try something new and to establish strategic partnerships. Because at the end of the day, there are a lot of opportunities and we can become better as a community who comes together and pools our resources, really. So I think really just being open to help e each other and also not being afraid to start a connection with someone or a conversation, et cetera. And so in closing, um, what we are taking away from this is enlightening and bringing awareness to the collegiate esports community that we are one, uh, in the words of Frankie Beverly and Mays, but we want to make sure that we are all in this collectively. Uh, yes, we come from different backgrounds. Yes, we serve as different types of demographics, but we are all struggling with the same issues. We are all trying to find our way in collegiate esports and be the best that we can be. So I would like to thank our guest panelists for today, Taryn Morgan from Morgan State University. Also, it is his birthday, so happy birthday, happy solar return. Right. Um, Scott Shaw from Wilmington University and Mark Deppy from University of California at Irvine, where I reside, where I am doing the thing. Um, and I also would like to thank Subnation for granting us as uh, Beatbotics, uh, a UX research team, but then also us as researchers in our own ed academic settings to providing us the opportunities. We have more coming up. So in our next um, future episodes of Insights, we're going to talk and do a deep dive about high school esports. We're going to look at the career pathways that are offered for e collegiate esports players after they graduate, and then really do a deep dive into DEIA. Uh, in collegiate esports. I am Jihan, your moderator of today. Thank you, Subnation. Thank you, Ed. Thank you to the behind the scene team, the research assistants, and my amazing panelists for today. Until next time, thank you for joining Insights.